Have you wanted to join us at an epic location but are new to photo workshops or photography in general? Maybe you've seen the beautiful images from our events and said to yourself, I want to be there. Are you having difficulty picking the perfect Cowgirls with Cameras event to come to in 2024? We want to invite you to a virtual Cowgirls with Cameras happy hour on January 9th. Bring your favorite cocktail or soft drink and snuggle in with your favorite blanket in front of your computer to learn about our 2024 event lineup and get all your questions answered. This is the perfect opportunity to get to know us better, get connected with Cowgirls with Cameras, and choose your best photography adventure for 2024. Register on our website at cowgirlswithcameras.com. We hope to see you there. It's time to laugh, learn, and take your photography to the next level with your favorite cowgirls with cameras, Kara, Kim, and Phyllis. Welcome to the Cowgirls with Cameras podcast. I'm Kim with Kim Beer Photography and Be More Business. And I'm Kara with Fast Horse Photography. And I'm Phyllis with Phyllis Burchette Photo. Good morning. Good morning. Yay. I'm glad we're all back together. It's the beautiful holiday season. My house is clean and being decorated. I just, I get so excited this time of year. I love the holidays and all of the fun things and I get to go hang out with all kinds of different people. How about you guys? Well, yeah, definitely. When this episode comes out, it's the day after Christmas. And I will tell you, we're recording this on December 1st and Sparkles, our elf, arrived back to the house overnight last night. So things are very festive here in the house. For sure. (laughs) I love it. So I'll tell you what, for those of you, even though it's the day after Christmas, you know all that wonderful Christmas cash or maybe that brand new camera that you just opened up yesterday. That was an excellent intro. Yes. Do we have an event for you? We are hosting a wonderful workshop called the Equine Photography's Essentials Workshop. And it is an experience where you can build a strong foundation with your photography, or you can really learn all the ins and outs of that new camera you just added to your stable of cameras or the new lenses, or maybe you're upgrading, or maybe this is the year that you get into photography and January is right around the corner and you said, this is the year that I'm going to up-level what I do. And maybe you're listening to this podcast. You've been listening to us for a while. Yeah, I'm talking to you out there. You definitely want to think about attending this workshop. This workshop, we're going to break everything back down to the basics. And we're going to start at a really essential level of learning exposure triangle and really how to manipulate it. We're going to learn about cameras and about all the different things they can do. So for those of you who've had your camera for a while and feel a little like you're flying by the seat of your pants every once in a while, which I'll tell you, there's nothing wrong with that. I did that for a lot of years, way more than I would like to admit and was paid pretty well for it. But I'm really glad that I went back and did learn the basics and did get really a good handle on how to use my camera because it made me such a better photographer. And that's what this event is about. It is held in April in beautiful St. Augustine, Florida, where we be in Kara's own hometown, where she knows all of the great haunts to go photograph. We've got some great things lined up for you to be able to learn on. And also, this is an 
excellent opportunity if you want to build your portfolio. And if you want to have the attention of three very accomplished photographers who can help you grow to where you want to grow as a photographer, whether that is in skill set and creativity or whether that is in business acumen and clarity around where you want to take your photography in the future. So dates are April 19th through the 23rd in St. Augustine. All the info and good stuff and pictures are on our website. So head over there while you're listening to the episode and give yourself a really good end of the year treat and pay your deposit and come join us in April and St. Augustine. Kim, thank you so much for that intro about this workshop. We are all really excited about it. And I can't wait to see everyone who joins us here in St. Augustine next year. Let's go ahead and jump into what we've been up to since we last recorded. Phyllis, you want to go first? Well, I'm still in the first of December, so I'm going to talk about what I've been up to for the past week or so. I hosted Thanksgiving here at my house for family and friends. We had a beautiful day. I got my Christmas decorations up over the weekend, which is very unusual for me to have them up that early. And then Monday, I headed to Florida to do a workshop with Mark Smith Photography to shoot out photograph. I don't like to say shoot, to photograph owls. So we photographed from a boat on this beautiful lake lined with moss-covered cypress trees. It was gorgeous. We had uh, really oh, two amazing. beautiful... Oh, it was. It was great. We had two... It was pretty windy and chilly uh, on Tuesday, but we still had some really good activity with the barred owls and saw... Oh, ma'am, I saw, I guess, 10 probably a total of 10 barred owls in different locations around the lake. And then there was actually my nemesis owl, which I have never got to photograph in the wild. There was a barn owl there as well, but unfortunately he, she would not come out to play for us. So just kind of stayed hunkered down in its little um, nesting Still area. your nemesis owl. Yeah, still my nemesis <laughs> owl. So yeah. It's still taunting you from the other side. Uh, yeah. Taunting yeah. you. I could actually see the owl, but I had to bump my ISO. It was so dark where it was sitting or laying, sleeping. I had to bump my ISO up to like 10,000 just to be able to see back in there. And it was just kind of, pe it was kind of looking at us one-eyed. And um, so it was there. I just, it was you know, didn't. at you, Phyllis. Yeah, it was winking at me like, yeah, I'm here, but you can't have me. You're never going to get me. You're never going to get me. Oh, that's so awesome, though. It was still cool. We um, I got to hang out with a bunch of men for two days, which is unusual for me. It was all men. Oh, and that was wow. nice. <laughs> yeah. Really nice bunch of guys. Uh, I, Mark Smith was awesome. I highly, if people like to do birds, I highly recommend Mark Smith. He's very knowledgeable, um, was a very good teacher, very patient, really good guy. And his son was there with us too, Torin. So we had a, we had a great couple of days. Just got back home last night. It's crazy how quick we can get behind in office work. So just keeping up with my newsletter and I don't know why, but for some reason, private art sales are doing really well this holiday season, keeping me super busy. So what about you, Kara? What have you been up to? Well, we're in full on Christmas mode over here, holiday mode, because our I've got like the countdown going until Easton's out of school. So it's kind of like getting everything done before he's out of school, because once he's home, it's going to be 
full on holiday fun here at the house. I'm planning on shutting down and not doing anything for a couple of weeks if, if I can if I can get away with that this year. So we're getting ready for Christmas in Key West. We're going to go see my husband's family. He, they all live in Key West. So we'll go there for Christmas. And Ed's birthday, my husband Ed, his birthday is actually on Christmas Eve. So I have to like plan a little birthday, something for him. So I've been working on that. And the big thing in terms of photography, it's just that mad rush to the end. Um, all of my sessions are done. Yay! I feel like if there was an applause button, this would be an appropriate time to hit it. Applause, applause. <laughs> because all the winter sessions are over with right now. And I have one more session to edit, one more creative consultation and art ordering session to do before the end of the year. And then I have a bunch of deliveries. So every day UPS or FedEx or somebody is bringing art to the door. It's like Christmas here. And I am immediately inspecting and rushing out the door again to get it delivered and packaging it and all that. So it's been really fun because this time of year, people want to be like kind of secretive and they want to deliver it when like the kids aren't home or their spouse isn't home. So it's like sneaking into driveways and running things into houses and, you know, getting them to send me like the, the videos of the surprise when they open it is so rewarding and so much fun. So it's just a really good time of year. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I feel for Ed because his he is a Christmas Eve baby and I was a New Year's Eve baby. So yeah. I totally, and we're both Capricorns, so I totally get it. And I wish uh -huh. want to wish him a very happy birthday. So Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll pass that on to him. Um, he is very much a Capricorn for all the Capricorns out there. He's 100% a Capricorn. Uh, but he he's getting a dartboard for his birthday. Uh -huh. We have this little area, which you both have seen. It's like a little, I call it the upstairs back porch. It's like that little upstairs back porch, which has kind mm -hmm. of been like a mess room. Well, we've turned it into like a game-ish room. So uh -huh. I've got a little table out there now. And I've hung like strung twinkle lights like all across. It's always been my dream to to have twinkle lights somewhere. <laughs> so I have twinkle <laughs> lights in there. And so there's going to be a dartboard on the wall that is coming for his birthday. So that's oh, going to be nice. his big birthday present. And then we're going to, on Christmas Day, we're heading down to Key West, but we're going to stay at the Hard Rock Casino in South Florida because that's his big birthday is he's going to play cards and stuff for his birthday. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm ready. Like <laughs> I'm ready to do all the Christmas, all the holiday stuff. I'm game. I'm in. I'm full on in. Me too. Yeah, me yep. too. Well, Carrie, the twinkle lights. I love that you and I are such kindred spirits in some ways. I am getting ready to hang <laughs> twinkle lights in my barn Aww. because I want... When I do my gestalt work for the people that uh -huh. are there, I want to be able to have them feel like they're underneath all of the twinkle lights and I'm going to hang yes. planets up in there and all kinds of fun. So that's my winter project is is putting up twinkle lights in the barn that I can have up all year. So I'm I love excited that. About I've it. always wanted a twinkle light space. Like I always thought the backyard, but we just don't hang out there enough. And yeah. so now that I have a space that I can just I'm so stoked for it. Well, I mean, you guys say you're kindred spirits, but I already have twinkle lights here. So I have them around my outside deck. I've had them for five years. So we're so basic. You, you two are, so you two are behind. You're way behind. <laughs> we're behind the curve. We're behind the curve. Well, I have been soaking up all of the holiday networking events in Kansas City. And I have been soaking up also being around some of the youth of our nation 
that are um, becoming entrepreneurs or who already are very accomplished entrepreneurs. So I've been hanging out with the younger millennials and the Gen Zers. And I got to tell you, if you really want to restore your faith in where we're going as a human species, go hang out with some of these younger entrepreneurs. They are so exciting to watch and to listen to and to be around. And they're so open and interesting and they have some of the best and innovative ideas. So I've gotten to go to a couple of times to spend with them at different events in Kansas City that are kind of the entrepreneurial scene networking. And it's just so really exciting to see them and the diversity and and what is coming up for us. And I also inevitably at every one of these things I go to, I meet at least one or two that are heading into photography and creative arts around photography. So it's super nice to see who is going to be taking the mantle from someday from all of us and running with it and seeing how our photography future is set in the hands of such interesting and wonderful people that are going to be picking that up. So that's what I've been up to and shaking hands and getting to know people and meeting interesting people, which is all something I absolutely adore and love to do. You guys know that. These two are the introverts. They don't like to go to the parties. I love the let's go to a networking event and talk to people all night. (laughs) It's funny because there's a party I could go to tonight and there's two parties I could go to tomorrow night. Totally. I should go to all of them. They're all within photography related, like they're my clients and I should go. I really should. I have attempted to talk myself into going repeatedly. I've blocked the time on my calendar. I've done all the things, but in my heart of hearts, I know I probably won't go. <laughs> it's too bad I don't live closer to you because I would drag you, you drag with me. me there. You would be my <laughs> honorary I would. extrovert. I would yes. I, I do. I'm a designated extrovert for a lot of introverts, but yeah, I do enjoy, I enjoy this time of year in particular because most people are in a good mood. Like they're in general, overall, everybody is in a fairly good mood at the networking events. And there's not, even though everything is kind of a struggle it, around us, it there's not a lot of gloom and doom talk and everybody seems to be pretty positive, which is another thing I really like. I like living in my Pollyanna world. So, but I think we should move on to our topic of the day today, which is an interesting <laughs> Totally interesting one, and I'm going to kick us off. So our topic for today is questions that you get commonly asked as a photographer and what our responses to those questions are. And this is going to be kind of a little random free-for-all that we're doing here to kind of end your year with some very interesting topics to discuss. Yeah, we're having some fun here. We are having some fun. And and I'm going to be honest. I, I picked the questions that people ask me that I want to have snarky comments back to because there are times that as a photographer, you get get so much pushed at you from people who, I don't know, it seems like ignorance. And then it's kind of our responsibility to educate. But after a little while, you're like, get sick of repeating the answers to things. And I am going to kick this off because Kara asked me to, but with not a question that I get asked, but a comment I hear a lot. 
your camera takes really good photos. Now, a lot of times that's followed up with like, what camera do you use? But I like get stuck on the first part of that. Your camera takes really good photos. No, it doesn't. My response to that is, thank you. I taught it everything it knows because <laughs> it's using me as a medium to get that picture out. But I do get snarky with that one because it is, and and the smart ass comment of I taught it everything it knows, because that's one thing that kind of annoys me with non-photographer people is that they ask the question or they, they, they think the camera makes the difference. So we batch record these episodes. So we recorded an episode that you listened to with Kareen the last time a, a podcast episode came out. And Kareen mentioned that she photographs a lot with her cell phone. And that proves right there, here's a photographer who can take a, something as simple as a cell phone camera and make a really good image out of it. It's not the camera, it's the photographer that makes that image. It's the artist, it's the creativity, it's what you see. So that is um, one of my pet peeve cameras. And that's honestly the I, best response I've ever heard when yeah. And I so, can't take job. credit for it. I, I typed it off the internet somewhere that I don't even know where. It, well, I saw it years and years ago. I like to show them the picture my camera does take on its own. Um, especially now that I have, <laughs> I now that, that I have a mirrorless, now that I have a mirrorless camera, my camera takes pictures all the time on its own. You know, I thought that was just we, my we mirrorless have, camera. No, mine takes all that. Yeah. And you know I what? People, I'm going to do a reel yeah. on that topic with all the pictures that my camera takes. Yeah, yeah those fancy cameras idea. don't take very good pictures. Their you, composition usually, is way off. Yeah, the composition. <laughs> they Well, they don't, you know, they just didn't Making have the kind notes. of, that, they don't have the kind of creativity we have. And usually mine are, my camera takes pictures of the ground, my feet, the sky. I mean, just wherever it happens to be pointed at the time, you know, so. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, and I swear mine, it's, I, I'm with Kara. I think the mirrorless cameras, I don't know what about taking the mirror out. Maybe it trapped the gremlin or something <laughs> that has always lived in the camera. But the mirrorless ones do tend to take more random photos. And when you're editing, you're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Where did that picture come from? So, yes, I think we should make a compilation of these fancy cameras that that people are so impressed with their ability to take photos. And when they don't have us, they do. That's a great point, Phyllis. Hey, photographers, you know how much community means to us at Cowgirls with Cameras. It's how we all stay happy and sustainable in our craft. And it's in the spirit of community, we want to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, the Equine Photographers Network. Equine Photographers Network is an online community of equine photographers from around the world. EPNet's mission is to support, network, promote, and educate photographers of all levels and backgrounds and is an active, supportive community with a mutual love for horses and photography. Visitors to the equinephotographers.org website may enjoy slideshows and portfolios of member work as well as search the directory for a photographer in their area. 
EPNet also offers photographer slash image search forms and a keyword searchable portfolio for image buyers to find exactly the images they are looking for. EPNet has several options for ongoing learning for their members, as well as a supportive private members Facebook group and online shoots, contests, and challenges. EPNet sponsors in-person photo workshops and promotes various equine photography-related events. EPNet offers three levels of membership from hobbyists through established professionals. We invite you to check out EPNet with a free three-month trial as a basic level member. Visit equinephotographers.org to learn more. So another question I get asked a lot in my world is, will you trade? Like if I have... If that person has something that that I might want to purchase, will you trade for services back and forth? I happen to personally believe barter economy is amazing, but you have to be careful with barter economy. So sometimes I've gotten myself into, oh yeah, that would be an interesting thing to have, but it's not really something that I need or even want that much. And then I end up trading something that that other person really wants from me, which is my talent, for something that I kind of didn't even need or want. So make sure if you do say yes to those that you are are really thinking through what you're getting in exchange for your work. Do you guys trade? Do you trade for? You know that meme that's like um, the person looking out of the ditch, like the little culvert ditch, and they're like, I've got, you know what, down here. And then it's like the person (laughs) crawling down into the ditch. That's me when someone says like, well, you know, I don't know if I can afford your prices, but I've got so and su- such and such, or I can trade you. So I'm like, ooh, tell me more. Tell me about what you have to offer. Me. <laughs> I so have you're... to hear the deal first. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, that's Pennywise that's in the ditch with his yes. little red, red balloon. Yes. <laughs> come over here. That's for me. You. That's me. When someone asks me to, to barter the trade, so I, I definitely do what I a dollar for dollar trade. So I've traded with farriers. I've traded with horse boarding. I've traded with I've gotten tack I've got, I've definitely done a dollar for dollar trade but I religiously stick to my price point so I don't make any changes to that I don't discount on top of that so that my service meets their services value if that makes sense yes absolutely I have traded with my, with my therapeutic massage guy and I have yet to pay him back because we've been trying to schedule a photo shoot for two years. And, and I feel like I owe him so much money that I have not been able to repay yet. So there's that too, you know, because we're both been so busy and he's, he's, uh, has Scott Scottish roots and he wants to do a photo shoot with the Highland cattle over here at the, at the Clydesdale farm. And we've been trying to schedule it, but trying to get the weather right. And it's just crazy. So I I feel bad because I feel like I owe him all this money, (laughs) you know. I traded somebody some jewelry 
for it was consulting, not so much photography, but there's a certain responsibility for the person on the other end that they've got to show up in in respect to collect. Right. So you can't like, I don't know, go pick him up and drive him over to the Highland cows and make him stand in front of them. So when you do make your trade, I guess be really clear about timelines. And if it goes by for five years, are you still going to honor that? So just yeah. be be mindful about what you're trading for and what the parameters are around it so that you do get a good deal. So the next set of questions, I'm going to put two in one here. One is, and I, I have had people make this sentiment to me about why are photographers so expensive when it's really, you buy your equipment and you just press a button. So why should I pay you all of this money to just press that button? And then kind of its cousin with that is why would I hire you when my friend has a really good camera? So I think we've established with the camera part that really good cameras do not make good photographers. It's a tool to be used. I mean, there's so much more that goes into photography and there's so much more under the surface than what people see around photography. And that's how I answer this particular question. I have 30 plus years of experience of pressing that button and I know how to do it really, really well. And not only that, I know where to position the camera. I know what light to bring into the situation to make it the most pleasing. And then I also know how to handle it afterwards. I know how to move the files around. I know how to do the post-process and I know how to deliver it back to you. So there's a lot more than pressing a button. And I think as photographers, we need to be more mindful in letting our clients know that the taking of the photo is just one small little tiny piece of the photographic process. The true artistry or a lot of the true artistry, not all of it, but a lot of the true artistry comes in after that photo is taken and how that particular photographer processes it and changes it. And I, I can guarantee you, because I see it all the time, Phyllis and Kara and I can take the same image of the same thing and the images that result from the three of us are going to look different. So do you guys ever get those kind of questions? Sometimes, but, I, you know, I do things a little differently with my clientele. So I think that because I work so hard on the front end to establish value that they kind of get the point that it's more than button pushing for me. So I think, but yeah. that's something I think I've done, what you were speaking to, like, we have to do more to show that we work our butts off and it's, you know, the, the hour that you see us clicking the button and I'm putting that in quotation marks is just a drop in the bucket to the actual work that we do behind the scenes to be successful. Absolutely. Phyllis, you got any weigh in on that? <laughs> well, just, I think there's a, somebody told me one time that for every hour you are behind the camera shooting, there's, what is it, two to three hours per, you know, when you get home that you actually work on those images. So that one hour shoot has already jumped up to four hours of your time right there. So people don't, and people yeah. don't understand how much, like you said, how much behind the scenes goes on. Like once you get those images back to your office, 
And to me, that's where the magic happens for me personally is, is that's where my images or anybody's images get set apart from someone else's is once you get back. Cause we all, like you said, we all pretty much take the same shot when we're there. I mean, not, not always, yeah. but you know, in general, but it's what you do with them later on that, that bumps it up on, to a higher level. Yes. And the story that you choose to tell with that image. Right. So my next set, I'm going to combine two more. I had a lot of these. I had fun with this episode. Is can I have all the original raw files from you because I want to edit my own pictures or because I Ooh, want the one. originals? And kind of goes along with that is can I have all the ones that you didn't put in my gallery? So my response or my answer to this question is always no. You can't. The raw files are mine. I own the copyright to those and I'm not sharing them. They're that I gave you what I'm okay with you publishing out into the world. And I always tell my clients that because they're always like, do you, you know, I, I'm curious as to what else you have. And I'm like, if I have anything else, it's not anything else that's ever going to see the light of day because I didn't choose that as a photo. Not to mention that Again, with these newer mirrorless cameras, do you really want to look at 187 photos that have maybe one twink of like the half of the eye blinking or something? I mean, it's they take such rapid images that there's no reason for you to have that. I picked the best one out of those 187 photos that checks all of the boxes the best. And that's the one that you've got. I usually don't even go that far into explanation. I just say, no, that's my copyrighted material and I don't use it or share it because you have the images that you need to have. And the funny outtakes. So I don't know about the two of you, but when people do goofy stuff, I can't help myself. I take the picture. And Phyllis very well found out this last summer exactly how uh, fast I am at grabbing that. She stuck her tongue out at me. And I have a great Phyllis photo of her tongue sticking out at me, which I absolutely adore and thought was cuter in a button, but I will never publish anywhere. And it's the same with my clients. I don't want those photos out into the world with my name attached to them. So I keep them, unless it's something that's really cute that goes along with the brand, I don't allow those off of my off of my computers either. They're just in storage forever. So how do you guys handle those two questions? I don't get that question so much now, but back when I did do a lot of portrait work and when they could actually hear how much I was clicking, you know, because now with the mirrorless, they really can't tell how much I'm photographing. Sometimes they think I'm not mm, shooting at all now. But back then with the regular DSLR, they were, they would be like, oh, but you took so many more than what you showed me. And I'm like, well, those were just duplicates yeah. of the same shot. Some were, I take more because, you know, people blink, horses blink, and they're, no, you're not getting those because they're not worth anything. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, exactly. I used to have that question a lot. Yes. But mostly from the parents, like from the mom. The mom would be like, oh, but yeah. you shot so many more, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think that people think for some reason that we're keeping the good stuff for ourselves or something. And I'm like, yeah, and some of them you don't want to see because they're yeah. they're just not good. Your horse looks like a total dork or you look like a total dork. 
So Kara, do you have any input on that one? <laughs> yeah. So I handle that right from the start. It's in my contract. So when I go through my contract with my clients, I actually talk about that point. I say that as the photographer, I will go through all of the images and I will call out any images that should never see the light of day. Trust me, you don't want those images out in the world. And as the photographer, I choose which images I share with you and show you. And I talk about, I choose how the images are edited. So I handle all that right up front in the contract. Um, occasionally during the viewing and ordering appointment, I will have someone ask me, because it's always when you shoot a scene and you don't show something from the scene, but you know, you show them 80 images that are amazing and they'll say, but what about that one yeah. shot that we did? So sometimes yeah. that happens occasionally. And I do, you know, I'm just honest with them. You know, that wasn't as flattering as you probably think that it was. <laughs> so, and if I do want to go back and I'm always happy to show them maybe one from that section and they usually agree with me. I handle that right up front before yeah. I even had a photo shoot. And then my final kind of set of questions that I want to put out before I turn over to you guys for your questions. I know this one of these is a real pet peeve for all of us. And it's often a question we don't get asked, but would really like for people to ask before they do it. And that is, can I enter this photo in whatever contest for course photos? And another one that is, it's very near and dear kind of I don't know, Siamese twin bad question is why are you upset that I added an Instagram filter to that image? So I do reach out to people when these instances come up. And like I say, it usually doesn't, usually the question doesn't happen because I think most of us handle it in our contract. So it's somebody who doesn't read the contract and say that, you know, this image isn't meant for, there, there's certain stipulations on what you can use the image for. And there's also stipulations around putting your own filters or editing or changing the image in some way. But my response, if somebody did actually ask the question, would be, it's not your copyrighted image. I understand it's you. I understand it's your horse. But that is not what copyright is about. What copyright is about is the artist who created that image, edited that image, and created the final image that you now hold in your hands. And that's not your property. It's your it's for you to enjoy, but it's not your property to decide where it goes or what happens to it after that fact. So just explaining to people a little bit about what copyright is and what it means and what licensing is and what that means. As a commercial photographer, I have to have pretty deep conversations about what is appropriate and what isn't. And I always tell people, you know, it's not that I'm trying to be, and I'll use the word, it's not that I'm trying to be a bitch about it. But what I need to do is I need to know where my images are going. And if you're going to do something with it that is going to make a ton of money, hey, let's cut the, the artist in on that. It's not that I'm opposed to it. It's just that I want to have control to an extent over what happens with that image. As far as the filters are concerned, that's another thing. You wouldn't get Picasso's painting and go take another brush and go over the top of it. You know, I mean, it's just not, it's not appropriate to do that to other people's artwork. It's, it's kind of um, almost to the level of defacing it. And I know there's a lot of people out there that feel very free to do that with the images they get from professional photographers. And it's, 
that is something that you see in your business like happening, it's something you need to address definitely in your contract ahead of time. Then also with that individual in a nice way to say, hey, I saw this image on Instagram. I noticed you put a filter over it. Our contract specifically says that you won't do that. So would you please remove the filter from the image? It's okay to publish the image if that's part of what your license lets them do, but please remove the filter. Where do you guys land on those? Um, Well, you know what I'm going to (laughs) say? This is in my contract and we cover it at the very beginning. Yeah, (laughs) it was. And I have the same contract that Kara has when I do use it anymore for portrait work. So and it's people need to understand that they're these images are for personal use only not to be because I've had the same issue. I've had models. But even now it it shoots we do like at ranches Mm -hmm. and stuff or for workshops. I've had models take those images and enter contests with them. So you know, yeah. and they won, <laughs> but it's not their image, but it's, you know, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. I tend to talk about this in my contract up front. And one of the things that I'll say is that there's two pieces of what you talked about. The first piece was about using the images for different types of publications and putting them places, you know, without artist reference or just doing it without chatting with me. And I'll, I'll say to them, you know, if something comes up and there's an opportunity for you to share your image in some way that you are interested in participating in, please reach out to me and we can talk about how I can work with you on that option. So I do try to work with them on that. I mean, they've worked with me to create these images and I want them to be able to use the images how they want to use them. But I also will say to them, you know, every image that's out there in the world is a representation of fast source photography and I need to have control over how that image is seen out in the world. And then that takes me into the applying filters and doing, adding words onto images and that sort of thing. And I'll say to them, I'll give an example. If you're looking at one of your images and you know you really like that image, but you want to see it in black and white, for example, please don't apply a filter to it. Reach out to me. Let me know and I will take a look at the image and see if it's appropriate for that type of processing. And then I'll take care of that for you. So I'm always really happy to work with my clients, but I want them to to loop me in from the beginning. It's when I come across something random on the internet that I do have an issue and I do reach out to my clients. I don't publicly, I mean, I have seen photographers publicly go after you know, and I understand why they do that. Um, they're trying to make a point and they're trying to set an example. But for me, you know, with the way that I work with my clients, I'll reach out to them privately and say something like, I saw that you applied a filter to that image. Can you explain to me, was there something wrong with the image or something that you didn't like about the image? Because, and then I will remind them of the contract and remind them of what those exact words I said to them at the beginning. So that's how I operate. I don't believe in the public shaming thing either. And I've got to say about 9,999 times out of 10,000, it's honestly because they either didn't pay attention to the contract or they just really didn't know better. So to get angry at your clients, yeah. And to get, I think it's just a matter of reaching out and educating. And even the one that did it intentionally and with kind of malice of forethought in that, it's inappropriate to get your panties in a wad over that. And it's it's just a matter of of reaching out to that person and, and helping them understand the ramification of their decision. I do believe that education is the best resource for solving that problem. 
Kara, do you have some favorite questions that you get asked a lot? I do. So my questions, I wanted to take a little bit of a different spin because I knew what your questions were going to be. So I wanted to flip-flop that a little bit. So my questions are primarily focused on what I call artwork sales objections. Because I work I'm an in-person sales photographer. I work with a smaller amount of clientele, but it's a very extensive process. And I work with my clients to create high-end wall art at the end. And the goal of that is to be able to work with less clients because the end game is that I'm creating something substantial and making a better salary from each of those clients. So I'm making more from each client. So what tends to happen with me is, and this is what I learned in the in the early days is that the questions that I get are primarily boiled down to questions in these of these four categories, price, space, as in like where to put the artwork, something I call lack of urgency. And the last one, which is my favorite, is what I call social insecurity. And so these questions that I have are geared towards each of those four categories. The first question that I get is, can you give me a discount? Sometimes I get that question. And you had kind of touched on this a little bit. But what happens for me is that people will just ask me, you know, can I get a discount on this product or can I get a discount on your session retainer? And it doesn't happen as often as it used to because I've refined my process so much and I've worked so hard to find my client. But when it was happening, the things that I would consider is, first of all, is that by giving a discount to this person, it opens a door to wonder if we're willing to negotiate on other things. So it might be other artwork. It might be on a session price down the line. It might be on free artwork, free shooting. So I try to always keep that door like soundly closed. Like that is a no-go for me. What I do instead is when they ask me that question, I say to myself, okay, so I haven't shown them enough value yet. And I will look for other ways to add value. So I will remind them of my customer loyalty program and how they can get a complimentary art piece by completing the loyalty program. I remind them of the offers that I have where the more they spend, the more they save. So as they reach different tiers of spending, they start to get bigger discounts, different bigger percentage discounts. That is something I want people to think about is when you start opening the door to discounts, it is like you are saying that what you do as a photographer is open to negotiation in terms of pricing, and it puts you in a bad position. Not only that, you have other loyal customers that have been paying you without harassment without negotiation and have happily done that because they respect and value what you do. And how is that fair to those people when you're discounting for another client? So what do you guys think about that? I think that's an awesome way to handle that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always a tough thing when people ask for stuff, but, and I also understand because you've got to negotiate, right? You never know if there might be a better deal, but you also have to be willing, I guess, as the consumer to say, ah, well, that person's standing their ground or, and I think it's great you offer them an opportunity to earn a discount. But do you negotiate anywhere else in your business world? Like, do you, did you know what I mean? Like, it, you don't necessarily negotiate when you go to the store. The no. guy who used to clean my pool back when I had a pool, he did, I couldn't negotiate with him on pricing. You know what I mean? Like, there's all these things. The guy that I, when I had my car cleaned once and the guy came to my house to clean my car, I didn't get to negotiate with him as a small business owner 
on price. You know what I mean? So it's just, I think photographers are in this role where people feel like it's okay to negotiate with us and to try to talk us down on our prices. And that's just not okay. I think that happens to a lot of service-oriented businesses. I bet your pool guy occasionally gets people wanting to negotiate with them on their, like, I hire you for, you know, 10 months of the year. Can you, like, I don't know, give me a discount. I think some businesses naturally get that more than others. But I think in photography, it goes back to that not valuing the entire process. And it's up to us as photographers to educate people about what they're actually paying for. Yeah, I think it depends on the individual. Some individuals are always going to ask for <laughs> for a cut rate or a discount or and then I wouldn't see I would never do that. I would never I'm like it's a business, you know. I don't try to talk people down. But then somebody else, that's their mindset, you know. I think it's just I don't think it has anything to do with Sometimes they think you they're your friend, you know, <laughs> because you're dealing with them one-on-one. I don't yeah. know. It's yeah. I don't know. We could write a whole up. We could do a whole episode on this topic because I'm very passionate yeah. about it. The other piece of it to me is that I didn't just reach up into the air and pull my pricing out of the sky. Like it's based on my cost of doing business and it's set for a reason so that I can pay yeah. my bills so that I can support my family in the way that I support my family. So like I'm like you, Phyllis, I would never ask for a discount from a small mm -hmm. business owner. But there are those people out there that do. And it it infuriates me when it happens. Okay, so the next question that I have is, it's along the same lines in terms of the price, the space, the lack of urgency, and the social insecurity. And it's, can you just send me a gallery of images to review? And I originally, this, I would get this question more because I didn't go through my process with my clients as thoroughly so they understood the expectations. But before, when I would get this question, I was very clear and I would simply say, I'm sorry, that's not something that I offer because I don't offer my clients. I don't send them galleries of images to view. They come, I meet with them one-on-one. -on -one, we view their images together and we go through them one at a time and we select their favorites and we design their artwork. But I do understand that, and I have, I have had times when my clients have gone home after a sales session and they've said, you know, what, I think I want to add another piece. Or I think we want to get something for grandma, but I can't remember what pictures we selected. Is there a way I can view those images? And so it is really important to have an option that's available that fits within what is okay for you. So I have alternative options available so I can meet with them via Zoom and we can look at their favorite images again. We can meet in person again and we can look at their images. Or sometimes I'll create a proof sheet that a digital proof sheet that has all their pictures on it and they can go through and circle the one that they want to create from and send that back to me. So that is, I think that's a question that anyone who is thinking about moving to the artwork creation side and the in-person sales side of things should be prepared to on how they're going to respond to that and how they're going to work with their clients around that issue. Because it is really difficult to say to your clients, I'm sorry, I don't send a gallery of images when every photographer down the street has an online gallery of images and they just shoot them over a link. So what do you guys think about that when you guys get that request or do you get that request? Not anymore because I don't do I don't do that kind of work anymore. So but yes, back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kim, I think you do provide a gallery. So that's probably not a question you get, is it? No. What I do in the way I work with my commercial clients is I go photograph. I put the gallery up. 
And I actually leave it up perpetually. <laughs> they can go back and get it because I'm too lazy to go back and get the photos for them. Not lazy. I have better things to do with my time than run around after people's photos. Got to change my NLP and languaging around that. But no, I, I put up a gallery. They can come access the gallery when they need to. The photos that are in the gallery are the photos that I'm happy for them to have. And if they want additional editing, that's an additional fee and they can contact yeah. me about that. It's the same for me. Like if I do a job, what what I call like a job for hire, where they're using the images for advertising or, you know, kind of a little different. I do give them a gallery, of course, but but not not if it was a portrait client and working like especially in-person sales and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, you wouldn't want to. Yeah. I mean, that mm -mm. defeats the purpose, right? Right. Part yeah, of the purpose exactly. of in-person sales is to create the connection with the image because one thing I found out is the longer people get to look at their images that are of them like their human body the more they pick everything apart on themselves like it's a self-image deal and the less appreciative they are of of getting it like the fact you can look at it or if it's an image that they covet they can covet it on their phone for way too long and then they don't want to put it on their wall. I even advocate for artists that they should keep a reserve of images for people that they only show them in that setting where people can look at it briefly and fall in love with it and want to hang it on their wall because they create a relationship with it. But if they can have it on their phone or something for eternity, it becomes less important for them to have it in their life and other places in the places that photographers get paid for. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. If, it, if it's an image I have spent a lot of time on and, and made into an art piece, it never gets put in a gallery ever. <laughs> I mean, even for a, you know, job for hire or what, whatever you, but I think your business model pretty much states what you, you know, what you should do, what you do, Kara. So that's, I mean, that's just not your business model. And like you said, yeah. you prepare them. You're, you're very good at preparing them for that right off the bat. The next question that I get, which comes up more often than you would think, is definitely a social insecurity-based question. And it usually comes around with my equestrian senior portraits. And what happens is I'll have people say to me, well, when my son graduated, we did like an eight by 10 print or we did a small eight by 10. How do I justify buying a big piece for my daughter and her horse? Because I only did a little piece for my son when he graduated. So how do I justify that? And this is a real thing. Like people, they don't want to think like one child is a favorite child or although I do like to crack a little joke at the beginning about how, well, isn't your horsey daughter your favorite, you know, I usually crack a little joke about that. And that usually goes over like a, I don't know, what's a, what is a, like a heavy stone? What is that? What is that terminology that goes over like a lead balloon? Lead balloon. There you go. <laughs> heavy stone. That goes over like a heavy stone. <laughs> <laughs> so that never goes over like immediately well. And then I'm like, ha ha, you know. So anyway, this is one where I like to talk about how, you know what, our appreciation for things evolves as we go through life. We start to like things differently. Maybe we are in a new space and you have more room now. And so I will then offer suggestions 
about how they can go ahead and get that big, beautiful piece that they really, really, really want and not feel bad about it because they didn't do that for their son when they graduated. You know, maybe they're in a different financial spot now than they were when their son graduated. There's lots of reasons for that. So I usually acknowledge that. And then I talk to them about what we can do to get them that piece that they want anyway. So that might be something like, well, Maybe we can go back and look at those images from your son when he graduated, and maybe we can get you a new large matching piece to go with your daughter's new portrait so that you've got something big and beautiful. Maybe you could look at hanging them in different parts of the house. Maybe you could create something that complements the other one, so find a similar frame. So we really kind of talk through that because that happens a lot. Like People fall in love with the products that they see when they meet with me, and they really, really want them, but they don't know how to justify it because because their son only got a small eight by 10 that they slapped in an over-the-counter frame. I, I wonder if other people have that question that are that do what I do out in the world. But I'm have you guys ever gotten that question or something similar to that? Not me. No. <laughs> okay. I've had the question for myself, but no. <laughs> so no, you've I had see. the question. So you, okay. So you've thought it yourself. Yeah. So another one that I get, which is always one that makes me laugh, and I think when I shared it with you guys, it made you laugh too, is, but what will people think of me if they visit my house and I have pictures of myself and my horse all over my home? And this one always, it's like I hear it, but every time it surprises me as someone who has family pictures hanging in my home, I have to remind myself that I have people in my life that don't have any family pictures in their home. Like I'll go, I go to my... um down the road, uh, my brother and sister-in-law live and we go in and they have no family pictures in their home. And it's always surprising me because as a photographer, I think to myself, as someone that, I don't know, when I walk into my home, my home should, it should show the things that I love is how I feel. And I want to walk through each room and I want to look at the walls and see things that make me feel warm and fuzzy and make me feel happy. So for me, it's a no brainer. Like where else are you going to hang that stuff? You're going to hang it in your house, right? You're going to put it in your office. You're going to put it in the spaces that you love and enjoy. So that comes up a lot and people talk about that. So that's how I basically walk them through that is I, you know, I talk to them about like, well, what do you want to see when you walk through your house? Do you want to see that generic print that you purchased of Phyllis's at the uh, art store oh, down you. the road of a horse that you don't even know and love? Or do thanks, you want to see thanks, a Kara. beautiful image of your own horse that you know and love? <laughs> Whoa. I'm just kidding, Phyllis. I would rather thrilled Talk if I about a dig. Whoa. <laughs> I would be so thrilled if I walked into one of my clients' homes and they had a Phyllis Burchette on the wall. I would be taking pictures of it. And uh, yeah, wait to, wait to, And then telling them it. that that space. Way to take it back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, then I would remind them that that space would be better served with a picture of their own horse and then they can move that to the guest room or something. So I don't have this about hanging it in my home, but I personally have this craziness around this, especially with my business and the branding photography. So I mm -hmm. have been working with this very talented brand photographer named Corey Brown for my own. Like she photographs me. And I sometimes feel weirded out by using those images because it feels very egotistical to put them up. And I wonder if that's not somewhat at the heart 
of mm-hmm. what some of those people are experiencing. Like when they walk through the door, they're like, oh my gosh, are people going to think that I'm like, who is the dude? There's a Greek dude, narcissist that fell in love with his own reflection. You know, I mean, I think culturally we have this like thing that says, um, just like your previous one about, you know, you don't play favorites and you also don't stare at yourself. I, I would feel less, I, I don't think, I don't know of anybody who would have a problem with having their own horse hanging on the wall, but like pictures with themselves might be a different thing. And I know I've experienced that in, like I said, in my own world, even just building my business, am I being too centric in, in putting my picture out? Because I think that there, we all see people on social media that we get a little annoyed by the fact that it's like, wow, <laughs> are you are you really that centric to yourself? <laughs> Look at the old masters, though, and all that, like, it, it, like back in the day, that w- it was nothing to put up a, a beautiful painting of your you yeah. some icon and your family. I mean, you come into a, a, the big pretty homes and there'd be a picture of grandmother hanging over the <laughs> fireplace, you know. So mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't know. It's not a new I've concept. Seen, no, it's n- absolutely not not new at all. I mean, yeah, just because it's a photograph and not a painting, it's still art. It's still a one of kind piece that that, you know that you created for that client. So, yes. Yeah. All right. I'll do one more and then we'll move on to Phyllis. So the last, one of the last questions I want to share is I, and I'm sure the other photographers get this one is can, can I just have the digital files to share on social media or to print myself? Once again, I don't get this question as much anymore, but for a long time, I got it a lot. And as photographers, we have to know how we want to answer this question before we get asked that question. And you have to decide, are you going to offer digital files? And if you're going to offer digital files, what type of digital file are you going to offer? And what's your price point going to look like for that? So you have to make that decision in advance. I um, am a photographer that will sell digital files. And I'm a photographer that offers a social media sized watermarked image for any piece that's purchased in a print format. So when my clients ask me that question, I will say to them, absolutely, I offer a complimentary social media sized watermarked file that comes with any purchased print product. And that's how I answer that question. If you simply need digital files, I have a digital file package that's available for you. And here are those options. The end. That's how I answer that. So do you guys ever get asked just for the digital files or so that they can print themselves? That's part of my contract. I don't do the printing. I put it in a gallery and Mm -hmm. most of my work is published somewhere like on a website or a brochure or in a magazine or something like that. So or on somebody else's website. So they have to have the digital file in order to accomplish that. What I do when I provide those files, because most of them are published digitally, I tend to only give the person a file size that will print an 8 by 10 And honestly, I don't care if they print their own 8x10. It's part of my contract. But it's almost, what I do is commercial work. So it's not a lot of art that's going to hang in people's homes. It's meant for marketing, right? So the digital file is part of the deal. And then if they do want something bigger, I do ask them. I guess I have the opposite problem, (laughs) 
Kara. I give them the digital files. And if they want to print, they have to go jump through hoops to get the print. <laughs> That's the opposite direction. <laughs> I have the I have the juxtaposition of your problem. So what about you, Phyllis? I rarely give, uh, I know some of the ranches that we go to, sometimes I do give them because, you know, they're allowing us to come and use their place for events and stuff. I do give them, you know, maybe a high res image, but most of the time they really prefer that I do the printing myself, you know, or, or direct them to, that's why I'll put their work on maybe Fine Art America where they can go in and order the size and the substrate and everything that they want, that they can choose everything they want. I'll just give them a big, uh, I'll give them a discount code, you know, that kind of thing. So most people are, you know, most of the time they, they want you to do the printing. <laughs> they really don't want to have to, to take care of doing that themselves most of the time. Yeah, because um, most of the time, if you're giving them digital uh, files, they're not even printing them. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. I do find that that's one of the things that spurred me to my current business model is that it made me really sad when I would share the digital files with my clients and then they never did anything with them. It just was like, what was the point of all that, you know, that we did together? And then you just stuck it in a drawer at a on a, on a hard drive, on a USB in a drawer. So yeah, that's such a good point. So that's all the questions that I brought today. Phyllis, you have some really good ones. You want to get going on that? Yeah. My number one, my number one most asked question is, and it's mostly from artists, uh, you know, like uh, painters, I mean, uh, is would you give me permission to use your photo for reference? That's a good one. My standard answer is pretty much no. <laughs> However, I'm a little bit more in tactful about it. I'll tell them, thank you so much for the lovely comments on my work. However, as most of my images are either client work or are licensed by my publisher, I do ask that they not be copied or reproduced in any way. I appreciate, I do appreciate the courtesy of you asking first. <laughs> A lot of people don't ask, they just do it. So I always thank people for asking Otherwise, you know, that's just my, I, I have worked with a couple of painters in the past and I will still continue to work with those two painters. However, I don't expand my artist any more than that. Uh, but that's not to say that that's not what you want may want to do. Otherwise, it just depends on what your choice is. Do you want to offer that as, as one of your services? Uh, but I would say always have credit and attribution as the, as the original photographer is a must. If you are going to share your work with a painter for reference, uh, be sure that you have some kind of usage agreement for licensing, uh, whether it's even if it's just personal use or if it's a potential art sale, be uh, sure you have permission for limited reproduction if there are plans to reproduce or, reproduce or sell prints of the painting. I, you know, what else can y'all add to that, you guys? <laughs> yeah, I just want to add that, you know, this question, I, I get, I don't know, I've got to do a piece of gestalt work around this because I certainly get bent out of shape when people ask me if they can use my work as reference or if they can use stuff for, for art. And I love artists. Please don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore painters and I know that they need the reference work. What I, what I tend to do is say, Hey, here's the deal. This is the image that I created. I feel like it's art on its own. If it's one of those things, you know, I mean, if it's, if it's something I've worked around a lot, but what I'd like to do is invite you to a cowgirls with cameras event. So you can learn how to use your camera and create your own reference stuff. 
and be able to manipulate the scene the way you want it for your eventual piece of art. And I think that's the direction that I'm going to keep moving into is encouraging um, artists to come to our events and to learn a little bit more about photography and to be able to create their own reference works. And I think our, just another plug, I think our Equine Photography Essentials Workshop would be a great place to start learning that. Okay. I just wanted to add that I do offer some images for artist reference. It just depends on the image, what I'm you know, what I'm currently using it for or what it's already been licensed for um, or how I want to use that image. And it also does depend on the artist. I have a couple staple artists that I work with that are super respectful um, and have no problem paying a licensing fee. I never offer them for free. I do always charge a licensing fee, which I'm going to be honest with you. Typically, if you just tell whoever's asking you that you're going to charge a licensing fee, they go away. They just are looking, you know, some of them are just looking for a free image to use as reference. So the ones that are really serious and really respectful of your work and, uh, and appreciate it. Respect the fact that you invested a lot of money to create those images and they will they will work with you on a licensing fee for artist reference. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what Kim says. I feel like it's my art and I work hard at my art. So that's just me. Another question that I get asked a lot is, can you recommend a good entry-level camera for beginners? There's several really good, great entry-level cameras suitable for beginners, depending on your specific needs and preferences. You want to keep in consideration factors such as your budget, uh, what type of photography you're interested in, any specific features you want to prioritize like video or faster frame rate, but, uh, you know, when you are making your decision. But I think Personally, investing in the most expensive gear is not the best solution. I think that learning the art of photography first is most important, uh, more important than what kind of gear you're shooting. So you guys want to add anything to that? I think you're spot on with that. I think that th we've already had this discussion multiple times in these questions. It's less about the camera and more about the photographer. And I think learning photography and getting into the beginning part of it, I like to see people go for composition and starting to understand light and those kind of things. And all of those things you can learn with any kind of camera, including your cell phone, and then step up into your DSLR, which is going to ask more of you or your mirrorless, something that has exchangeable lenses. And the key here is you need to be able to have control over the settings in order to manipulate what's going on in, in the image. So any camera that allows you to control your shutter speed, your aperture, and your ISO, and these new phones... Phyllis sold me on the new phone when we were at our last thing because it, it lets you shoot in raw and control all of those things. So yeah, any anything you have for, for that is a good camera to start with. The only thing I would add to that is if you are wanting to purchase a camera, just buy the nicest one you can afford at this time or do not be afraid to spend some time renting gear and deciding or what feels used. good in your hand and what you really like. And I don't think that people do that enough, you know, like spend some time playing and deciding what you feel good about, you know, using. And I have definitely tested cameras and tested lenses out before I've actually spent the money on them, invested in them. So that would be the only thing I would add to that. Well, I think Kim just brought out a good point too. I don't know if anybody could hear it, but think about buying used gear too. There's a, oh, there's yeah. many great places to buy. I used started gear all my cameras great, I started used. Yeah. 
they yep. rate the gear. So you know what you're getting yep. up front. Um, yeah. My last one is how do you uh, actually, <laughs> I'm surprised that I get this one a lot and, and, and I may not be answering it the way that some people like <laughs> would like to hear, but is how do you stay inspired and creative in your work? And I think my, my biggest thing is to be curious, be curious about the world around us and, and everything you're seeing, stay in, staying open to new experiences and ideas and, and ways of just seeing the world, I think really is a, is a big one for me. And that's why I like to do other kinds of photography besides, besides just equine photography. Uh, I love nature and wildlife and landscape and even macro photography. So I think that's a big one for me is, is stay curious. I also like to challenge myself by exploring, as I just said, different subjects, or even maybe experimenting with new photography styles or editing styles. I also love to study the work of other, other photographers or artists. It could be, it doesn't have to be photographers. It could be painters. A lot of the old masters, I love to look at their work and just see how to analyze, you know, how they use the different techniques and their compositions and the use of light. I, I love to look at, to see how other people use light. That's a big one for me is, is light. Cause I'm always, as photographers, we're always chasing the light. So another one is just take a break. <laughs> Get away from photography for a little bit. A big one is collaboration. I love I love collaborating with other artists, uh, photographers, and and again, doing personal projects really keep me inspired. How about y'all? All I can focus on is the fact that it said you. I thought you said other photographers, and I, I did was say other about you. <laughs> <laughs> looking at pictures of cow udders for inspiration over and over again. I did say udder. That is a bizarre kink. <laughs> That's all I got to add to that one. <laughs> well, you guys know that creativity and inspiration is a lot of what I love to do with people. And um, I know I've discussed on this podcast before all the different ways I try to amplify my creativity and stay inspired. And I have a whole list of them that I'm currently working on a book around. But I think everything Phyllis mentioned are, are really important pieces to that puzzle and staying completely in the zone and and also realizing creativity is a flow and sometimes it flows easier than others but and when it's not flowing as well doesn't mean you're not creative it just means that you're a little disconnected from it and you got to do something to get back into the stream of your creativity even if it's looking at uh, cow udders if that makes it better <laughs> I love to look at cow udders. <laughs> so the the funny part is, and I didn't get to sneak it in at the first, but now since we're off on a tangent and we're kind of wrapping things up, every time Phyllis says barred owl, I don't hear bard. I hear bard, like the like what? the musician, like the like the singer, like the traveling bard. So I I get this vision of an owl like whipping out his little like lear guitar thing and starting oh. to serenade phyllis from the trees okay so, so bard, I, I feel like a real idiot because i always thought you were just saying barn owl i didn't even know there was such thing as a bard bard owl so yes that's on my photograph bars on yeah. them it's oh. a bard owl no idea. and then there is a barn they owl yeah <laughs> Okay. Well, so, so apparently, I just want to say thank you. 
<laughs> to everyone See, for sticking with us this long. <laughs> you learned something, Kara. <laughs> Thanks, I did. We hope oh, you've enjoyed God. this episode. And we could keep going forever, but we're going to wrap this baby up. And because, you know, we got holiday plans to get to. So thank you so much for sticking around. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't already found us online, we are at cowgirlswithcameras.com. Go check out the website, hit our events link and find out how you can join us somewhere out in the world. And find us on Instagram and Facebook at cowgirlswithcameras. We hope to see you over there soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cowgirls with Cameras. Don't let the laughter and learning stop here. Join our community on social media and be sure to visit our website for more opportunities to fulfill your photography goals. Head to cowgirlswithcameras.com. That's cowgirlswithcameras.com. See you next time.